This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Hi, it's Claire Kimball here, the founder of The Squiz. This week marks six years of putting out The Squiz Today podcast, and I just wanted to say a huge thank you for listening. If you love what we do, and we hope you do, please tell your friends about us. It's all the birthday present we could ever need. Welcome to the Year in Review. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. This is the second episode of our 2023 Year in Review series. So far, we've looked back on the big global stories from 2023 that caught our eye. And in this episode, we're taking a tour of our own backyard, Claire, revisiting the big Aussie stories that shaped the year. Yep, we've got a referendum, Cosy Lives, <laughs> the Matildas, so much more. So much more. Let's go back. We're starting with the story that dominated federal politics for a good part of the year, and that was the referendum on an Indigenous voice to Parliament. So we started the year knowing that there would be a referendum, but we didn't really know exactly what we would be asked or Mm. when it would be held. And it was in March that the government announced the text of the question that would be on the ballot paper and the actual amendments to the constitution. We were waiting for this for a little while. We still didn't know the date. That wouldn't be confirmed until August. We won't go through each and every step, but it's worth reflecting on how things changed across the year. Yeah, and that's because at the start of 2023, we knew that Labor was 100% behind the plan to enshrine that permanent advisory body for Indigenous Australians into our constitution. We also knew that the Nationals were against it, but we didn't know where the Liberal Party would come down. Down, that was a big question because at the start of 2023, the polls showed that about 60 to 70% of Australians supported the change. Yeah, then in April, Peter Dutton said the Liberals would campaign for a no vote. And looking back on that, the pundits say that it was probably the nail in the coffin for the referendum because of our track record of voting down questions that don't have bipartisan support. And Kate, I reckon in many media outlets, when they look back in the year, they'll highlight the rise of Jacinta Knapp and Jimper Price. Yeah. Uh, she became the coalition's Indigenous Affairs spokesperson and she certainly carved out a space for herself on the front line of politics ongoing. Yeah, 2022, not many people would recall her name, but at the end of 2023, she's, um, you know, for the most part, a household name. You already know the story. The voice referendum was defeated. All six states voted against it. Just over 60% of Aussie voters wrote no on their ballot paper. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese said he was devastated, but... Just as the Uluru Statement from the Heart was an invitation extended with humility, grace and optimism for the future, tonight we must meet this result with the same grace and humility. And tomorrow we must seek a new way forward with the same optimism. So we'll see where that national conversation goes when it comes to improving the lives of Indigenous Australians in 2024. Uh, Another big story they'll carry over into the year is inflation. It's coming down. It's coming down. (laughs) But it's still got a way to go to get to that 2 to 3% that the Reserve Bank is aiming for. Yeah, in 2023, the Reserve Bank raised the cash rate target five times. That was less than the eight times they raised it in 2022. Five's still a lot, though. It's a glass half full kind of look at it. Yeah. Yeah. What inflation is doing is pushing up the cost of living in Australia, Claire. Yeah, exactly. 
Cozzy Lives. So that's what you mean when you say Cozzy Lives <laughs> for anyone who hasn't been following that. That's one of the words of 2023, Cozzy Lives. I'd never heard it. No, I hadn't Until either. they named it one of the words of 2023, but there you go. We're not cool enough. We're, not, we're definitely not cool <laughs> enough. But get ready to say it for the next couple of years because we're not expected to hit that 2 to 3% rate of inflation until the end of 2025. One thing that we're doing to try to buck up our economy is to rebuild our relationship with China. So this was another really significant political moment. Anthony Albanese promised to do that at the election in 2022. Mm. After a lot of warming up of our diplomatic channels, he took a trip to China. He met with Xi Jinping, China's president himself. This was the first time that an Australian prime minister had been to China since 2016. Much anticipated. Much anticipated. (laughs) Those diplomatic efforts also saw the release of Aussie journalist Cheng Lei. She was arrested back in 2020 and held in China. She was finally allowed to come home. And Kate, while we're on politics, let's whip around the states. We saw lots of movement at the top. New South Wales had a state election which saw the coalition government lose. Labor's Chris Minns became the Premier. That meant that every jurisdiction but Tasmania has a Labor government. Yeah, there weren't more elections but there were a lot of leadership changes. In June, the long-serving Premier of Western Australia, Mark McGowan, announced that he'd be stepping down. Who's his replacement? Is it Roger Cook? I no, think someone cook. Yeah, good call. It's a cook. Isn't it good though? We don't like We don't know. <laughs> I'm really proud of myself. Well, you know this one. He was followed by Dan Andrews in Victoria, who became the premier down there. Jacinda Allen. Yeah, there you go. Yep. You got that one. He stepped down in September though. And then came December. Anastasia Palaszczuk in Queensland retired. She's been replaced by Stephen Miles. And then the Northern Territory's Natasha Files quit. That was over the non-disclosure of some shares that she had in a mining company called South 32. And that was awkward because South 32 had operations in the Northern Territory. Um, Queensland and the Northern Territory have elections in 2024. So, That'll be something to keep in mind. Coming up next, we're talking courts, sports and some very special anniversaries. This week, our podcast is brought to you by Aware Super. Sometimes it can feel like retirement is a long way off, but whether it's two years or 20 years away, it's important to make sure your super fund is working for you. Aware Super is one of Australia's largest super funds and offers heaps of free tools and tips on its website for Aussies looking to get their super sorted and put a plan in place for their retirement. Read the PDS and TMD at aware.com.au. Claire, it was a good year if you were a top defamation lawyer in Australia. I don't know if that's a sentence I want to repeat. Two very high-profile cases. As they say, the lawyers always win, don't they? Well, it was a busy year. Good luck to them. Yeah. Yeah. So the first to mention is Ben Robert Smith in that case. He's the very highly decorated Australian soldier who fought in Afghanistan and this case was about claims about his actions in 2017 and 2018. Investigative journalists from the old Fairfax newspapers reported reported that he'd been involved in war crimes. Yeah, Robert Smith decided to sue the newspapers and he lost. The judge decided it was substantially 
true. That's the quote that he was a war criminal. It was a pretty dramatic end to a five-year legal process and a very expensive one. The total cost of the case is estimated at $25 million. And Kate, the other, of course, big defamation case revolves around former Liberal staffer Bruce Lerman and the allegations that he raped his colleague Brittany Higgins in Parliament House in 2019. Now, there was a criminal trial in the ACT over those allegations. That was in 2022, but that case ended in a mistrial. Yeah, so there's a couple of angles to this one across the year. We'll start with the defamation case. Lehrman is suing Channel 10 and Lisa Wilkinson for broadcasting an interview with Brittany Higgins that he said defamed him. That was in the news a lot very, very recently. But before that, there was some mopping up after the criminal case you referred to. So just to give you a sense about why it's felt all very mucky this year around Mm. this case, because there's been a lot going on. Um, What you're referring to also generated lots of headlines at the start of the year. There was an inquiry into how that criminal case was handled. It ended with findings of misconduct against the ACT Director of Public Prosecutions, that's Shane Drumgold. He stepped down and in another twist, the judge who was actually conducting that inquiry leaked his final report to the media. I honestly found this one so hard to continue to Mm. To, to, to keep my attention. Oh, I couldn't it, look away. The twi- well, yeah, you were the opposite. Yeah. The twists and turns were there. That's all the ACT's Chief Minister, Andrew Barr, accused that judge, Walter Sofronoff, of acting unlawfully. As I said, Claire, it's a lot. It continues to be a lot. Let's dive into the business world. So... Where to start? Let's start with Qantas. Qantas. It had such a horror run there for a few weeks. Um, Its trouble included a High Court decision that that unlawfully sacked 1,700 workers. They're also in hot water with the consumer watchdog, the ACCC, over allegations that they'd sold tickets to flights that had already been cancelled. Customers were having problems with their COVID credits. Mm. And with all of that pressure building, Alan Joyce step down early. Yeah, that's right. That was in October and Chairman Richard Goiter also confirmed he will go. There you go. Who's a replacement for Alan Joyce? Oh, Vanessa Hudson. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually good because I get her confused with the the name of the actress. Oh, yeah, Vanessa Huggins. Hudson. Huggins. You know, the one from High School Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I I don't get her confused, but the name I get confused. (laughs) Anyway, also losing its CEO this year was Optus. Uh, Kelly Bayer-Rosmarin we're talking about. Is it your intention to resign? Um, Senator, I'm sure you can appreciate my entire focus has been on restoring the outage issue. Could I just ask you to answer that question? And it has not been a time to be thinking about myself. So that was her before the Senate inquiry just a couple of days later. She did resign. Mm. Um, That happened after a huge 14-hour outage of all of Optus's services all across Australia. It affected 10 million Australians. Yeah, one of the big criticisms was it took ages for the company to let customers and the government know what was happening. That's the big end of town. The story that received international attention revolved around a lunch in regional Victoria. And of course, we're talking about that story of Erin Patterson and the lunch that she cooked for her ex-husband's parents and two of their family members. Three people died, um, they think as a result of eating dangerous death cat mushrooms. Another man survived after spending weeks and weeks in hospital. And after months of speculation, Erin Patterson was charged with murder and the attempted murder of her ex-husband. Yeah, that's coming to trial in 2024. Get ready for that. Claire, it's time to talk about one of the truly great stories from 2023, the Matildas. Yeah. 
Yes, let's do it. Oh, that was so fun. The biggest sporting moment for so many Aussies this year was the FIFA Women's World Cup and the incredible campaign by our Matildas. It's just dominated July and August. It yeah. drew like in person, record crowds and record eyeballs on television, um, not just for women's sport in Australia but for sport in general. Mm. And despite our star player Sam Kerr having to sit out a lot of it due to an injury, her calf. Remember her calf? <laughs> we talked about it a lot. Yeah. We got through to the quarterfinal game though, of course, against France, which ended with one of the most tense penalty shootouts that I think we're ever going to see in our lifetimes. The most stressful moment of 2023 for many yeah, people. for sure. <laughs> they ended up taking 20 shots. We made it through to the final four. We lost to England. Well, whatever. That yeah. match set the record for the most watched sporting event in Aussie history ever with 11.5 million Aussies tuning in nationally. But Russo has her pocket picked and here's Sam Kerr. She's going to need some support. Kerr running at bright. Kerr with a shot. Oh, I say Incredible. I'll always remember that Sam Kerr goal from the halfway line. It really was one of the high points of that losing match. Mm. That long-range goal was just spectacular. That is certainly going to be on the highlight reels, surely. For a very, very long time. It was also a pretty good year for cricket fans. The men won the ODI World Cup and the Ashes. The Diamonds won the Netball World Cup. That was fairly epic. But then they had that long pay dispute, which dominated the headlines to the end of the year. The Wallabies? Claire, probably yes. the less said the better. They had a Rugby World Cup shocker, all that speculation about Eddie Jones going to Japan. It turns out he has. And we're almost at the end of this episode, Claire, but I want to add in that we lost Meg Lanning as captain of our women's cricket team, just to do full circle back mm. to cricket. She stood down from international duties. Alyssa Healy takes the reins. They're an incredible team, that one, yeah. and no doubt huge success awaiting for them in 2024. We'd also be remiss if we didn't mention a couple of high-profile Aussie anniversaries that happened this year. Some nice round numbers for you. This year marked the 50th birthday of the Sydney Opera House. It also marked 100 years of Vegemite in Australia. Kate, how do you do your Vegemite? Uh, poached eggs on toast, little avo. Oh, yeah. okay. Fancy. I also just also like it on a fresh piece of white bread, butter and Vegemite. Oh, oh. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. I'm Sayo. Oh, yeah. No, that actually, when we put that out on social media this year, I think the Sayo was the winner. Yeah. Got to have butter as well. And the squiggly bits if, coming through. Yeah, if you can do that, <laughs> even better. <laughs> That's our wrap of the biggest Aussie news from 2023. We'll be back tomorrow to look at the lighter stories that really made our year. We count them down from 10 to 1, Claire. <laughs> That's just such a tease, isn't it? It's going to be so exciting. <laughs> we'll catch you then. G'day, Kate Watson here. I'm the host of Weekly Wrap and News Club, a place for conversations about the news. It's budget week, so I'm here to tell you about our News Club episode from last week where Claire chatted with James Chessel. He's the former Managing Director of Publishing at Nine Entertainment. He was also a staffer earlier in his career, so they have a good chat about how the budget sausage is made. Here's a small snippet. The most important policy or set of policies the government will announce every year. So it's important that it's not um, announced willy-nilly, although mm. 
they do leak <laughs> a, a, a fair amount of it. Yeah. And there is a famous time when a when um, Laurie Oakes, the nine journalist, got his hand on the budget papers b- the day before the budget and was it's able to such print an incredible story. Was able to print a lot of it, um, which was you know absolutely amazing. Um, <laughs> but the other thing is. A lot of what the treasurer will announce has the ability to move markets, yeah. um, direct impact on on businesses and and other organisations. So you know there does need to be some rigour and uh, confidence that it will be handled handled in an appropriate appropriate way. For more on that chat, just search for News Club in your podcast app or follow the link in your episode notes.